Brought to you by the First and Second Amendment, powered by the people to fight the Freedom of Disinformation Act in the 21st century and beyond. Broadcast to you live from the badlands of Texas. I've got a question for you this morning. Does my new tattoo make my butt look big? Hello, friends. You're listening or watching Midnight Radio. I am your host, Jerry Adams. A question for you. What is the hottest hot sauce you've ever eaten? I'm going to tell you about mine. When my wife and I first got married, or even before we got married, we used to have something we like to call Hot Fridays. It's Monday now, but back then we used to have Hot Fridays. What we would do is we would get the hottest peppers we could find. I'm talking scorpion peppers. I'm talking reaper peppers. I'm talking about... Uh, there's one called a South Carolina peach. There were all these different kinds of extremely hot peppers that we would eat, make salsa out of, have chips, uh, listen to the radio. That's what we used to do. So I went to work one day, and there's a man there, and apparent, and this, this was Tennessee, around the Maryville area, for those of you that are from Tennessee. I worked for a company down there right when I got out of college and I was a temporary a temp and this was a well it doesn't matter what kind of company this was it was a electronics manufacturing company and there's a man that was in the break room and I'd been working there a few months and um, I have a really high tolerance for heat and pain and peppers and all that he showed me this hot sauce let me show you this hot sauce because I got a picture of it right here Put up there on your screen. The name of this is called Flash Bang. He goes, hey, would you like to try this hot sauce? I said, yes. Yes, I would, but I don't have anything to put it on. I don't have a spoon. I, I brought a peanut butter sandwich this day, sir. He's like, well, just put a, put a little. Actually, here's a plastic spoon. Why don't you try a spoonful of this? I'm like, all right. So I did. That's the outside of the packaging. This is the inside. Once you take it out, it's called Flash Bang. Not too bad. We'll go over the warnings in a minute. So I took the whole spoonful, and I didn't have anything except a water to drink and a peanut butter sandwich to wash it down with. Now, it was hot. Don't get me wrong. It was very hot. But, you know, like anything hot, you try it, and you're like, ooh, that's hot. And you go about your business. And that's what I did. And he had a perplexed look on his face like, wow, that wasn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. And he went back to work. So did I. Now, my job in this particular facility was to grab these big reels full of small micro component parts for computer PCB boards that would go into vehicles. And I had this cart I would push. And I'd have to walk about a mile to go, a mile and a half, two miles to go get the parts, put it on the cart come back to the machines and then load up the machines with the parts that operators like him would operate. And that's what I was doing right after lunch. I did that for about 30 minutes. No problem at all. Then all of a sudden I walk down and as I'm telling you this story and every time I do, I start sweating, I start flushing, getting a little bit of hot. Well, I was down there with my car like this, you know, just walking with my cart. Loaded up with parts, and all of a sudden, I'm like, what's that? I try to move again. 
my back, my lower back muscles completely locked up. I thought, what the hell? What's going on? Then all of a sudden, water started shooting out of my arms. I'm like here, like this. I had my lab jacket rolled up, and I look at my arms, and it looks like a shower. Someone turned on a shower, but this is my arm. I'm like, what's going on? And I'm not talking about beads of sweat. I'm talking about projectile sweat shooting out of my arm. Not under my arm, the top of my arm shooting out. And my back is locked up. I'm like, what the hell's happening to me? And then I felt the heat in the middle, lower part of my back. I'm like, oh my God. I start feeling dizzy. Like, what the hell's going on here? I'm still in denial. And then I felt it in my stomach. I started feeling cramps. Oh, God. I was close to the bathroom. Thank the Lord, which I could barely walk into because these cramps are so severe. I thought I was going into labor. I know what it feels like, ladies. I do. I know what it feels like. False labor pains. I went into the, I ran into the bathroom and I was really skinny at the time. So just so you guys know, I mean, I was very, very, very skinny. I went into the bathroom stall and my stomach felt like someone had broken some stained glass and glued it together in the shape of a pineapple, and my body wanted to reject it. I'm sitting there on the toilet, and my back is still cramped up. Water is still shooting off all of my arms. I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, take my life. What the hell is going on? What's going on? Ah, just thinking about it. I'm getting labor pains right now. I'm getting these cramps. But nothing's happening. It's just a feeling, these, these horrible cramps. And the searing pain, like there was a a broken light bulb trying to eject from the south end of my body. You know what I'm talking about? And there's pools of water all around me on the floor from my my arms. I feel like I'm going to puke. I start getting nauseous. I feel like I'm going to vomit, but I'm not. The only thing leaving my body is this sweat in my soul. So my stomach's rumbling just thinking about it so then i fall i go on the ground you know because the whole room is spinning and and then all of a sudden as i'm laying there in a i smell i'm in a puddle of piss and it's not mine i'm laying there on the ground like this and all of a sudden in my head i hear i hear a song because there's an overhead speaker playing it because they played it you know i hear this song I know all there is to know about the crying game. I've had my share of the crying game. And then I feel something really cold, and I realize my pants are around my ankles, and my man pebbles are on the cold floor. First there are kisses, then there are sighs, and then before... You know where you are. You're saying goodbye. And then I hear a commotion right outside the stall. Right outside the stall, there's something going on. I don't know what they're saying. I can't tell. And then I hear this. Oh, my God, are you all right? And then I, right when someone said that, I don't know if it's calling out the name of the Lord or what. And I didn't know if someone needed to call a plumber or an exorcist. 
But just like that, boom, all the pain went away. And I was back to normal, just like I am right now. I'm like, it's like I snapped too. I pick my man pebbles up. I pull my clothes back on. And I realize, man, thank God I didn't really pass out down there. I stayed just this side of conscious. If I would have passed out, they would have thought I was some skinny heroin addict or something. Passed out on the damn floor. They wouldn't have believed it was a hot sauce and a peanut butter sandwich. I go out. He goes, are you okay, man? I said, yeah, I'm fine. I'm feeling great. How about yourself? When I left that room, I thought, man, I went back to that guy. I'm like, hey, could I, could I see the hot sauce again? He said, sure. And I looked at it right here, and I'll show you. And I looked at the, the warning label on it again. And it said, less than a drop of this product is absolutely extreme and seriously hot. Flashbang sauce should be used sparingly. Consenting adults, person who consumed this person, uh, takes full responsibility for its effects. It goes on to that. Some of the symptoms, which may or may not include excessive sweating, hiccups, burning sensation, on slight contact, vomiting, and in extreme conditions, loss of consciousness. And I realized, holy crap, I think I had every one of those symptoms. I thank you guys for tuning in today. I've got some really interesting things for you. Here's what I want to go over, what we're going to go over today. There's a theory. Let's see, is this the first one we're going over, guys? Yes, there's a theory floating around the internet. It's not the first one we're going to go over. That Brian Nothingburger, Coldburger, they're starting to call him that in the Discord. That Coldburger had a security guard help assist him with his crime. Is that true or not? We're going to look at that and we're going to look at some possible connection between uh you know the Pullman standoff as they're calling it now we're going to go into that a little bit and I'm going to tell you what they've come up with in the discord and what they're thinking about what they're looking into there uh, also we want to talk about the symptoms of being a psychopath uh, I've come up with some very interesting things and I believe you guys know some psychopaths in your everyday life matter of fact I think during this show, you'll probably see a psychopath or two. I'm not talking about myself or the people around you, but you're going to see what I mean. And we're going to look at the Delphi case a little bit today. Uh, the affidavit for that came out. There's some interesting things that, that came out on that. Their affidavit was much more involved than the one from Idaho. And also that case, although very tight-lipped, there's more information that came out and the cops were less secretive about it. And that's something else to look, about, look at. We're going to look at that today. And we're also hopefully have time to open up the phone lines to get your calls. So let's go ahead and begin here. Let me make sure, let me see what we got going on in the chat. Hello, everybody. All right. So this came from, all credit goes to the drunk, drunk potty. I almost said the drunk potty podcast. The Drunk Turkey. Uh, is it a podcast? 
Yeah, they called a podcast, The Drunk Turkey Show. Now, here's the scenario, guys. The scenario is this. There's a woman that called, left him two voicemail messages, and she called him back. The woman says is unidentified except for by them. She says that she has uh, children who are in the school system there in uh, Moscow, and... I have no reason to believe, uh, I have no reason to believe her. I have no reason to disbelieve her. That's not what I'm talking about. This is uh, something that you guys brought up, and we're going to talk about it. I'm not going to play the video, but I'm going to play just a little bit, a little bit of the audio here, and uh, then we're going to talk about it. Or lived over there to know that, um, we're, don't just think because this guy's behind bars right now that it's this all done the in his of face it. because... Um, it's really not. The, the case is still ongoing. The investigation is still ongoing mm-hmm. um, and pretty active. And, it, you know, I have two kids over there. It's scary. Right. Terrifying, actually. And um, and I get they got to catch the guys, but the lack of transparency is wild. So everything she's about to say is her speculations. I'm going to put a link to the whole video in the show notes. Right now I'm going to pull up. Let's see, what am I going to pull up? I'm going to pull up. The conversation about it in Discord for me. All right. There's a lot to unpack there for sure. There's a lot to unpack. We have one of our, our legal analysts. I didn't call her a lawyer. I called her a legal an- analyst, and that is Echo Sherry from Discord. She can't be here this morning, I don't think, unless she comes in here. And if she does, that would be great. But some of the things this woman says without me playing her whole video is that this is not over. She talks about this being a big, big, there's a big drug problem in Moscow. She believes that Kohlberger used the knife of the guy who was shot and killed and believes that the guy who was shot and killed in Pullman for a police standoff, uh, and he took his roommates hostages where we're going to go into that story. It's really sad. She believes it was his knife and he was involved in it. We're going to go into that, which is really horrible. But the guy who was involved in the, the standoff was a former military. He had PTSD and he worked for the ID department in Idaho, uh, an IT department there. I've had that same scenario. That's exactly what happened to me when I was, I got out of the military. I went back to college or I went to college. Yeah, I went, finished college. And, you know, I worked for the IT department. So I do have some things to say about that. Uh, He was, I think they said 38 years old. She talks about how she pressured her kids during Christmas to tell her more about this, to really dig into it. She talks about how Moscow uh, Police Department lies about the crimes at University of Idaho and why they do it. And she says, she also brought up Christchurch, says, say people need to do a deep dive into it. Uh, People, just so you know, we brought this up before on the show about Christchurch. I looked into it and I don't see any connection to this case. A lot of people call me about that church, and I realize and recognize why they would. I didn't find anything relating to this case. Those are the facts. She talks about 
her thinking that Sigma Chi has a real deep, heavy involvement in this. Does any of this sound familiar? It sounds like the stuff that has been going around YouTube and on the internet about this, which is exactly what it is. So I'm not taking away from the fact that she has children that are there. She's somehow tied to the University of Idaho, but she is also speculating. She has wild-ass speculations, wild-ass rumors. None of it's proven. And we have a, I have some writing from one of our analysts to break it down for you. The uh, interesting thing that came up with this, and I thought about it before, but then I just let it go. But that was the fact about BK's phone. Uh, cold burgers, nothing burgered, cold nothing burgers phone that attached to the Wi-Fi and had done it several times in the past uh, before this tragic crime happened. And to actually be able to connect to the to it, you'd have to have the Wi-Fi password. So there's questions that arise. Well, if he had the password, he must have been in the house before. If, or he actually, if it connected, there's a difference between pinging and connection. There's a difference between that. And the lady that's speaking, she also talks about that house being a trap house, which means drug house, just so you guys know. And... Uh, our legal analyst will go into that. Uh, the cell phone service said she says there's none right after you get out of Pullman. We checked into that. That's not true. Not exactly. So let's look into the information, the other information we have about this. Um, and this is what Echo said, and I'll read you her response. And again, these are all wild ass speculations and wild ass theories that you guys give us. This is your show, guys. That's what it is. You bring these things to me, uh, these wild-ass speculations, these wild-ass theories, and very few tame-ass theories. We go over them, put a pin in it, and when we get some actual information, then we revisit it. And I think there's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot of things to put pins in. And I'm thinking, I'll say this right now before I read what Echo says, that this veteran was not related at all and... I want to say it's horrible that people are saying that he's involved, but I don't even know that it's horrible. I understand I understand the world of speculation, and I understand why they might think that. Let's go into this. So I got this from our Discord. It says, here's my response to this woman's interview. I am her worst critic because I believe she's full of it. Just based upon her rendition of the Cell phone services. No one loses surfaces on the way to Lewiston. I've driven that route one million times. I've had to travel to Lewiston, to Moscow, my first year of law school. The second year I lived in Moscow, and this was 20 years ago. Give me a break. All right, I'm going to read this to you. Or show you, really. Again, I'm just reading this. I'm repeating it. There's a lot There's a lot to be said here. I'm able to sift through this woman's neurotic drama. She is not credible. She's absolutely out of this world drama. She's come out of the woodwork and using her kids as a shoe-in to spread her hysteria. My son just graduated U of I. My nephew and myself, my mom lives in Moscow and works at a sorority on campus. This woman has brought up every conspiracy theory on social media. It wasn't a trap house. It was a well-known student resident. It was the same when I attended U of I 20 years ago. This lady is spreading her hysteria. 
That's what she says. Now, I'm not disputing that this woman has credible ties and everything she says about her children going to U of I is true, but that doesn't make her an expert, guys. That makes her just a regular person just like you or me. And she's speculating just like you and me would. She's perhaps hysterical, but unlike us in a way, because she does have that connection. But does that mean that the veteran with PTSD was actually linked to this? No, it doesn't. Now, there is a theory going around, which I can't pull up on the Discord right now for whatever reason, uh, perhaps because I can't find it. And it was saying that here's something possible that her defense would be. Yeah. The Somebody in the chat room, Electra says, I commented and told her that she must have bad cell service. True. Now, let's look at that. There's different companies that have different cell service. Maybe she has Sprint. Maybe, uh, actually, maybe she has T-Mobile. Maybe she has a track phone. We don't know. It could be a different service for a phone. And that might just be all it is. So, so there you go. Somebody's saying, don't discount blanks info yet uh i'm just bringing this up this is a show where we put a pin on it doesn't matter what i discount or not i'll still talk about what you guys bring up i'm not the authority here the facts are at the end actually the facts at the end of the day when it's all over and someone's convicted everything else can be discounted after that it doesn't really matter after that now i don't think she's a liar I don't because of the things she said. I do believe she has some children. She did seem very hysterical about the things she was saying, and I can understand why if she's in her position. Now let's look at the suspect in Pullman. Now these are some facts that we can look at because we do have some facts, right? We are tracking breaking news this morning. A lot to get to. The big story right now is what's happening in Pullman. This morning, we've learned that a man is dead after a standoff next to WSU's campus. Channing Curtis is in Pullman right now. Channing, what information do you have for us this morning? Yeah, Tim, we actually just heard from the Pullman chief of police literally just moments ago who gave us a slight update on the situation. So now we did learn that around 837 last night, police received a phone call from actually this apartment complex right behind us. And they didn't tell us who called, but we do know that a man in his 30s was threatening to harm his roommates. So at that time, police did respond. They were able to get those two roommates out safely. We're told that they're doing fine at this time, but we're also told that a member of the SWAT unit did shoot and kill that 30-year-old suspect who was threatening to harm his roommates. Now, again, police have told us that this is the early stages of the investigation, so they are continuing to work. And again, this is a very active scene uh, behind me right now. While we just got here at this area, we saw another couple of police cars who pulled up from Pullman Police, but we're also told that Washington State uh, Police are actually on their way as well. They're the ones who actually have to clear this scene. As you can see, there's still a lot of crime tape, and this section of the street right near Stadium Way is still closed off. Traffic is being slightly re it, but it's not a major impact to traffic in the area just yet. There's just a few lanes that are closed and people are taking the slight. All right, this turned into a traffic report. So, people are saying, and here's the theory. The theory is that, let me see if I got it right here on the old Discord. 
the theory is that Nothing Burger was doing illicit drugs with supposedly a security guard at the college. And he left the security guard there for whatever reason. And they were doing Coca-Cola. And the security guard is the one that committed this while Nothing Cold Burger went away and left him there. And later he, f- he realized, oh, well, maybe I did something bad. And then he went back to check. So while that's theory. Now, we had somebody look into this and investigate the security guards who at the, at the college, and they were both cleared. Um, There's no possible way they had involvement. But there's theory. And let me say... Uh, Cynthia Herring, if you were here for Cynthia Herring's um, wild uh, speculation a few nights ago, you remember, man, she has some wild theories. It came from her, and she said that it wasn't the security guard. It was actually one of the cops, the cops that kept, you know, that kept um, talking about the sororities, and he was there for all the noise complaints, and he's the one that pulled over the boys, and it's... It's the one that boss said he had a night vision scope in his back car, and we looked into it. They looked into it. Not boss, but Cynthia did, and he no longer works for that police department. She's thinking maybe it was him and maybe he fled. Again, these are all wild-ass speculations and wild-ass theories, but they're coming up with stuff, aren't they? Is this possible? Is this something that defense could use, maybe? I don't know. Uh, do I think... Maybe there was a connection between Nothing Burger and the military vet. And that's, that's hard to say. That's just a, there's no, there's no shred of evidence about any of this, is there? Uh, And I guess time will tell, right? Oh, we'll see. A little bit more about that vet. Tonight, we are learning more about the man who was killed during a SWAT standoff in Pullman last week. He was a U.S. Army veteran who had been battling PTSD for the past 16 years. Brent Kopaka was shot and killed on December 15th after Pullman police say he barricaded himself in his apartment. Officers first responded to the report of him threatening to kill his roommates. According to his family, Brent was a paratrooper in the U.S. Army and sustained a traumatic brain injury in combat while serving in Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan from 2005 to 2009. He was awarded the Purple Heart for his service. His family says those who knew Brent knew him as a loving, caring, and very loyal friend. They add over the course of the past 16 years, Brent fought a courageous battle against PTSD, but in the end, he couldn't break free. They said, quote, please learn all you can about PTSD so you will have an understanding of the toll it takes on our veterans, their families, and their friends. Make sure your loved ones seek the help they need. All right. So I have a connection to this. I have a friend, and I'll speak with him later today. Sergeant Batterass. For those of you that are here and haven't watched 
the interview I did with him, I suggest you do. You might want to skip 15 minutes ahead because there's a underwear commercial at the beginning of it. He might have known this man because he was a army paratrooper during enduring freedom during this time. So it's possible that they ran into each other. Uh, that being said, I'm also a war veteran and I have PTSD. And I also, after I left the military, went to college and worked for the IT department. So one of the things this lady was saying, and someone told me in the chat room not to discount what she was saying, but I'll, okay, but I'll tell you this from my experience. She was excoriating him for being his age, uh, living around the college, and his two roommates were verified to be uh, college students, college age. She was excoriating him for being his age, being around students. And uh, let me tell you this. I will not, I can't explain to you how many of our wives left us after we came back from war. So what happens? So you have a full ride to college. You can go to college, but you, you lost your whole life because your wife left you. While you go to college, you live there. You make a new life. There's a difference between speculation and reality. And uh, I understand that some people are afraid, especially if they live close to the area. But there's a difference between speculation and reality. And once you're hit smack upside the head with reality, drop the damn speculation. Let's learn about this man a little bit, and then we're going to continue. What are my emotions about this? There's a place for wild-ass speculations. There's a place for wild-ass theories. We don't know what precipitated the events for the standoff right now, but we can look at the person. Let me introduce you to him. Brentley Kopaka. I'll read you a bit of his obituary. It is with great sadness that our beloved son, Brentley Kopaka, went to heaven on December 15, 2022 as a result of a traumatic brain injury sustained in combat in Afghanistan, which led to a 16-year ongoing battle with severe PTSD. Brent was born October 1, 1986, survived by mother, stepfather, stepmother, his uh, brothers and his sisters. He served in the U.S. Army from 2005 to 2009 in the 2nd Battalion, 508th Parachute Infantry Regiment, 4th Brigade Combat Team, 82nd Airborne Division. Brent was awarded the Purple Heart for his service in Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan. By volunteering to serve in the U.S. Army during the time of war, Brent proved himself to not be only a man of great distinction, but also a selfless servant of the people of our nation. Brent epitomized the value of standards that all paratroopers strive to achieve. Brent's valor in the face of many is a great credit to his character. Now, listen to me. Was this man involved with nothing burger? I don't know. I don't know. Is it weird or odd that this veteran should somehow be back in a college area 
No. Not at all. As far as all the other information, Tom's going to tell for that. All right. Moving on. Let's talk about. Let's take a, let me look in the chat room real quick, and then we're going to take an interlude. An interlude. Somebody's asking, he died in combat? No, he didn't die in combat. He, on the 15th of December, he had a, apparently he was threatening his roommates with a weapon, and he, the SWAT team took him out. People are speculating that him and Brian Kohlberger were somehow partners in a crime. Now, when um, it's fact that when Brian Kohlberger, Nothing Burger, and his father got pulled over, this is the incident they were referencing to the cop. So I guess that's the link. Now, he was a combat veteran. Kohlberger apparently was a pacifist. You don't believe me? Listen to this rap. Look at this, my mind is pissed and I keep running Why is this? When I hit it, always losing stunning Always gentle giant, no defiance, all building a line And still think that I am present, I stuck in the future But I'm never looking at the fucking present Keep it up, act like you're all that Here's a cookie too and a present Led from a desert eagle, eagles going louder than my motherfucking beagle And your life, you get no sequel Leave you love one's crime like some seagulls You are not my equal, you are evil, but I'm people And now I'm going regal Don't f*** with us yeah, for those of you who are wondering, that was the uh, Cold Nothing Burger rap from his SoundCloud that he made. You want to hear it again? You want to hear it? Here it goes. And I keep running. Make sure you get all this. My mind is pissed and I keep running Why is this? When I hit it, always losing stunning Always gentle giant, no defiance, all building alliance And still think that I am present, I stuck in the future But I'm never looking at the fucking present Keep it up, act like you're all that Here's a cookie too and a present Led from a desert Oh, okay, why did you play that, Jerry? Why did you play it twice? Did you listen to his voice? Some of you people were saying on that call that there was a person saying that they were a family member of L.E. You heard a slight, a slight twang, a slight accent. I present to you a slight accent. Eagle, eagles going louder than my motherfucking eagle, and you're like, you get no sequel. We be loved one's crime like some seagull. You see, you hear a slight accent there. Maybe. All right, moving on. Facts and not facts. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. We're going to rinse your palate out. Why? Because I have a video. It's going to make you, take you right back to where you should be this this early morning. Because I got your girl, Banfield. So that's what Brian Koberger is experiencing right now. But what if he's convicted? What if he goes to prison for life? What if it's death row? I'm joined now by Larry Levine. He spent 10 years as a federal inmate at multiple security levels. And he's... I'm bringing this up because I recently did an interview with a former federal inmate. His name was J.T. 
Kinderfeller. J.T. Kinderfelter. Kinderfeller. And I also called him about this like yesterday, and me and him had an in-depth discussion about this. And, wow, I came up with something totally different. He's now the director and founder of Wall Street Prison Consultants, a company that helps people to prepare to be locked up. Larry, I always come to you for the guidance on what's to come and what's expected. We just heard the circumstances that Adam or that um, uh, Mr. Koberger is experiencing currently in the Lataw County lockup. What about if he ends up in the in the state penitentiary or if he ends up with life or if he ends up with death? Can you sort of sort that out for me, what life is like in those circumstances? Well, most likely he's going to be, excuse me, he's going to be PC. He's going to be in protective custody because if they let him in general population, good possibility somebody is going to try to take him out and kill him. They'll get a lot of street cred in a prison by committing violence. Again, somebody who's an informant, somebody who's a child molester, somebody that abuses women. So this guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Yeah. I, I don't even know if this guy's been to real federal prison to the point of what he's saying. And I'm gonna bring this this particular guy, I'm gonna send this link. I'm gonna make I'm gonna hunt down JT and have him watch this. I'm gonna tell you why. You do not in prison, get a bad rap for abusing women. You don't believe me? Listen to the interview I did uh, to the prison guard. It's called Prison Stories 2. Check that out. You actually get street credit for abusing women. What is this guy talking about? Now, abusing children is, is the worst thing you could ever do or be known to have done in prison. But I asked Kinderfelter about this yesterday. I'm like, because I, I was on the side of what this guy was saying when I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. And I asked him, I go, I think that nothing burgers in a lot of danger. If he gets acquitted and he's roaming the streets, I think somebody's going to probably take him out is what I'm thinking. This is horrible. And he's like, yeah, yeah. You, you know, I, I, I think you're right. And I said, well, what about federal prison? I was like, oh no, he'll be fine there. I'm like, really? Nobody will care. He's like, well, no, because they were, you know, they were cons that's considered adults, what he did there. You know, there was no nothing sexual about it. So, no, nah, I've, I've seen stuff like that all the time there. It'll be all right. Like, really? He's like, yeah. He said, probably the safest place for him to be would be there in prison. I'm like, really? That's interesting. That's not what I saw. What the hell is this guy talking about? You know, wearing your glasses, being on the media. Come on, Ash. Come on, Ashley. My research and her research doesn't jive, and I know where my guy was, and I know who my guy is. Not just because he runs some organization. So be careful. Be careful what you watch and you think is true. Some things are and some things are not. Um, in the chat room right now, Naomi Poppins has a good point. She had a good point. I don't remember what it was. She said, there's a nine-minute discrepancy in the timeline given on the PCA where Nothing Burger took nine minutes to travel less than a minute. It looks like it must have stopped to meet up with someone on his way to Moscow. No. Oh, it's like he must have stopped. Okay, well, he might have stopped on the side of the road and puked. We don't know why he stopped. Did it look like he stopped? Yes. But we don't know why. 
Do we like to speculate? Hell yeah. So, yeah, that bad rap was something else, guys. You guys asked me for it. I had to sneak it in for you. This, what the hell is this, guys? This kind of pisses, I don't know. I don't know what to think about this, all right? We're talking about getting information from online sleuths and things like that today. This, ah, this is Latah County Coroner. And she talks about the, the students that were unlifed, all right? I heard a lot of misinformation about this lady. I heard that she wasn't the active uh, coroner. I heard that she was just filling in for somebody, and she really didn't have any experience. I also heard that she was uh, the public defender. I heard all kinds of information. A lot of that wasn't true. Uh, we'll watch a little bit of the interview because here she is. A lot of people are saying, what the hell is she doing with this interview? But here we go. Kathy um, with a C, Mabbutt, M-A-B-B-U-T-T. I want to know what you think about this. How long have you been doing this for? Um, I've been doing it for 16 years, I, and I just got reelected for another four. So what is it that, or I guess, when did you get the call on Sunday? I got the call just a few minutes after noon that there were four homicides but I didn't go to the scene um, because of law enforcement doing their investigation first. So I didn't actually go to the scene until about 5 or 5.30. Can you walk us through, like, for our viewers, kind of the process between, like, between, between when police show up and then you guys getting the bodies and doing your examinations? Sure. Um, well, law enforcement goes through and um, looks for any evidence, um, takes... We're not going to watch the whole thing. It'll be pretty dry. ...in there and... Um, Let me double check. Did I say that correctly? Yes, she is a coroner. Because there's a difference between a coroner and a medical examiner in some states. They'll start talking with people. So I don't really need to be there for that. I just, they can't move the bodies. I mean, the bodies have to stay um, as they were until the coroner gets there. So that's, those are really what, that's what my job is. Okay. To look at the bodies. A coroner, do you guys do... um, the autopsies and all that? No, we, um, s- some do if they're an actual medical examiner, but we have forensic pathologists. Thank you. Thank you for that. Spokane to do that. So in your experience, what is it that you saw when you showed up? Um, well, there was a lot of blood. It was, yeah, it was, it was a very sad scene with four uh, murdered college students. Yes. Okay. And um, can you give us a manager? Um, I believe that the press release was that they were from a um, sharp object. Mm-hmm. So. So stabbings. Yeah, I will know more after oh, the whoops. autopsies tomorrow. And do you believe this could be a, um, like a murder suicide or something? No, there are four homicides. Yeah. Yes. It's my job to determine the manner. Okay, I want to show you guys this. And this is what, this kind of lets you know what a K-bar would actually do to the body. 
This is from the University of Idaho Facebook Facebook detective group. I just wanted to post a picture of the K-Bar in comparison to the body so people can get an idea of how deadly and forceful this weapon actually is. In sheath, it sits from my pelvis to my knee. And this is how long it is and how long it would go into your body. And his nipple, apparently. Back to the corner. And mechanism of death. Um, and then I know with toxicology results, there can often be, this in Washington, a delay. So do you have any idea how long it could take? Swinking at you. Hold on. Well, the toxicology reports, right, they usually take four to six weeks, sometimes longer. Um, but I, they might, um, I don't think they're going to be relevant that. in the actual manner or cause of death. And do we know how long between the time of death and when police found them? Approximately? No, I don't. I don't know for sure. Do we, like, do we have, like, any, like, could it have been hours? Could it have been a day? Was it maybe close? Like, is there any sort of, like, time frame there? Um, not, that, not that I'm aware of. Okay. Um, you said the scene was really difficult. I mean, is this something you've had to deal with before in Moscow? Um, All right, I'm going to pause it right here. Go to the chat room. Somebody says a major difference between corner and ME. I'm going to please ask you not to type in all caps. That's a rule we have here that you agreed to when you joined the chat room, guys. Please don't type in all caps. That being said, there is a difference between a corner and ME, but an ME can be a corner, and that happens in a lot of these small towns, such as the one I live in, but not always. But an ME can do the paperwork for corner in small towns. That's just that's just what she said and what I've experienced in my life. You'd be surprised how different things are from one state to the next, from one part of the country to the next. I don't know if some of you get out from your side of the country or not. Oh, no. We got an update from Randy Chavez. I'm flooding out right now. The cat and my girl are ready to leave. Sheriff outside, they want me to leave. I just told them I'm watching Midnight Ready with Jerry Adams. I appreciate that, Randy. But I got some good news for you. Your hat should be there tomorrow. So if you can just hold the fort and wait till you get your hat, then you can leave. We, we have been, uh, someone's asked me, what do people think about the possibility of a co-conspirator? That, that's something that we've been talking about today. Was the person, the, for, the military veteran, was unlived by the SWAT team. Was he involved in Coburger some way? Uh, what do you guys think? I'm going to, right now, we're going to go to the Delphi murders case. I want to know what you guys think about what we've covered so far about the cold nothing burger case. All the links will be in the show notes. Give me at least 14 hours to update those. I'd, I appreciate that. That's when those will be available can watch the full interview with the coroner. She's not a medical examiner. She's just their coroner about the little she saw. She saw him there, verified they were dead, did the paperwork, and did and talked about it. And she even contacted some family members, I heard. All right, let's continue with this right here. Of course, it's going to be muted. This is Richard Allen, 
entering the hearing. I'm also going to make his affidavit available for you, but I'm going to hit the high points because this is what it's a long one and we only have the high points. Did we find out more? Yes. Uh, was it a better written affidavit than it was in Moscow, Idaho? Yes, it was. Is it more condemning? Yes. And that's really all there is to see from outside. Let me read this to you. Let me make this so you can watch it full screen. We're about to open up the phone lines. If you guys have a comment or question for us. Alan is charged with murder in the February 2017 deaths of Abby Williams and Libby German. The two teens disappeared on the Delphi Historic Trails. Their bodies were found February 14, 2017. The case went unsolved for more than five years. Indiana State Police announced Alan's arrest in October of 2022. Defense spent an hour in Judge Frangull's chambers before emerging at 10.26 a.m. for a hearing that lasted all of 10 minutes. Richard Allen was brought from the Westville Correctional Facility, a state prison shackled at the waist and ankles. He was definitely locked down, and he's not a very big man, so... It was a surprise. To face Judge Fran Gull, who will preside over the trial to determine the Delphi man's guilt or innocence for the murders of 14-year-old Libby German and 13-year-old Abby Williams near the Monon High Bridge on a day off from school in 2017. Judge Gull said due to the thousands and thousands of pages of documents generated during the five-and-a-half-year-long investigation that led up to Allen's arrest last fall, his defense team will probably need more than just the next two months to get ready for trial. In terms of a trial, I, I think we all know where we are with that at this point. Any um, Anybody that's hung around a courtroom for any period of time would probably be able to draw a conclusion about where we are with that. At this point, it's too early to even pick a trial date. So the attorney suggested that we give them another month to get through the discovery. And at that point, one, they'll have a better idea of how long it'll take to become prepared for trial and also how long the trial will last. Richard Allen is still being held without bond. It's been difficult for him. Rick is doing uh, not terrifically, but he's staying mentally tough right now. Allen's attorneys will ask the judge to set him loose pending trial at a hearing next month. The families of the girls filled half the courtroom today and will doubtlessly be back for that hearing. The next time Richard Allen will be in court will be on February 17th, six years and four days after the murders of Abby and Libby. In Delphi, Russ McQuaid, Fox 59 News. There you go. That was a pretty good report there. I'm going to go through this. I'm going to the part. Hold on. I'm going to go to the affidavit. I'm not going to read the affidavit. But I want to go over the parts. Yeah. Of course, it's in a totally different. All right. So, an interesting parts about the affidavit are his wife. What is his wife said that got him into this spiral of events for him being caught. So good on her. That was in the affidavit. 
he was interviewed a couple times and he admitted being there at the park and he even admitted seeing the girls. So he placed himself there. That was also interesting. And that was released. I mean, they do release some information, you know. Suspected killer Richard Allen now sits in the White County Jail with two counts of murder for the deaths of Abby Williams and Libby German. The details why he was arrested still unclear. Law enforcement says the investigation is ongoing. For that reason and for the nature of this case, the probable cause and the charging information has been sealed by the court. Yep, so it's been sealed. Some comments and chatter this. People are saying that he was really short. And I'd agree that Richard Allen is very, very short. The bridge guy from the video we see looks rather tall than Richard Allen. He's very short. Think about this, guys. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not. But I just want you to think about this. Who took the video of the bridge guy? A a short girl? Have you ever heard of the Phantom Toll Booth? A guy of an average size says I'm a giant to a person that's short. And a guy that's short says I'm a, a little person compared to a tall person. Well, you have a short person, an uh, adolescent, taking a picture of a grown man. It's going to seem like he's taller. It's called perspective. This is mineral water, by the way. It's hard to tell from that video is what I'm saying. And uh, there, people are saying that there's some... YouTube analysis that someone did, and they say this guy would have had to been taller than Richard Allen. But let's look at what they have on Richard Allen. Let me blow this up full screen so you guys can look. Right after this, I'm going to open up the phone lines, maybe get 15 minutes in if you guys want to call. You think about it. There's a show going on tonight. There's a premiere for members only. Uh, if you're a member, a midnighter or a midnight rider, midnighter or up. If you're interested in becoming a member of this channel, there's a link that's right up there in the chat room. You can find out more about it. There's a special video coming out. It's a lost episode, and it's called What My Problem Is. It's where we do a brain personality analysis on myself, and my wife is in that video, so you guys might be interested. If you're a member, let's continue here. About Richard Allen. That's going to air tonight at 5 p.m., Central Standard Time. There he is in his coat and his silly hat. See, who do you think's taller, the girls or the man? All right. The affidavit was unsealed by a judge last month that an unspent 40 bullet was between the bodies of the two girls appeared to have been cycled through a pistol owned by Allen. The documents also reveal that Allen admitted to being on the bridge at the same time the girls were killed in two separate interviews. During an interview on October 13, 2022, Allen told police he'd been wearing jeans and a blue-black Carhartt jacket that day, according to the affidavit. The clothing Allen admitted wearing to the police matches the outfit worn by a man known as Bridge Guy, This is a clothing he admitted to wearing. They didn't ask him 
They said, well, what are you wearing? He told them it was a bridge guy video who was captured on video by Libby walking towards the two girls, instructing them to go down the hill moments before their deaths. Guys, we're about to go over ways that you can know somebody's a psychopath here really soon. In a subsequent interview, Allen's wife, Kathy Allen, told investigators that her husband still owns a blue card hard jacket. This is what is said in the affidavit. Keenan says the existence of the jacket is a potentially vital discovery and may still yield crucial DNA evidence. It may or may not. I think they might be able to tell by smelling it. Smelling it, you say? Yeah, smelling it. You see, I don't know how many of you are guys, by the look of it, not many. Guys don't wake up this early, I guess. There are some of you. Rick, he, uh, actually, Chavez, he had to wake up because he's getting flooded out right now. He's not joking. It's flooding where he's at. He is joking about it. That's what we do here. We're in serious situations, and we joke. Uh, him and I, we get each other's humor. Men rarely wash their jackets. Uh the, the person, the kind of man that washes his jacket the most would be somebody that works in some industrial environment where they have to wear it and it gets stuff on it. They have to wash it. Maybe then this guy was a pharmacy technician. So he wouldn't have washed his jackets very much. Now, if you take it and you smell it, you'd be like, oh, this smells like man pits. There's probably DNA on it. Do they have DNA yet? When they find some, we're going to let you know. We're going to cover the trial. We're definitely going to cover the trial. So, what about psychopaths? What does it take to be a psychopath? And, I'm going to bring this up. I'm going to open the phone lines now. We'll have a little bit of time to chat here. Phone lines are now open, 325-261-0892. Leave the phone lines open. And we're going to delve into what a psychopath is. I see we have a new member. Let me call you out. Divine timing. You're a midnight supporter. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. What is a psychopath? Psychopathy, while not a clinical diagnosis. Did you know it wasn't a clinical diagnosis? You think it should be now? Mainly they find out after the fact. It often refers to someone with antisocial personality disorder. The, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition, does not list psychopathy as an official clinical diagnosis. The true definition of psychopathy in psychiatry refers to someone with what? Antisocial personality disorder. What is antisocial personality disorder? And I'm reading this because this directly relates to Nothing Burger and his 2011 post on Tap Talk. One thing that can be confused about antisocial personality disorder is the phrase antisocial. Most people might assume this describes someone who's reserved, a loner, keeps to himself, etc. However, this is not the case in ASPD. When we say antisocial in ASPD, it means someone who goes against society rules and other behaviors that are more commonplace. While some clinicians regard psychopathy as a more severe subtype of ASPD, the general consensus is that Psychopathy falls under the umbrella of ASPD. 
Now we're going to go to the signs, and this is why I brought this up, because this, I mean, come on, they have a diagram here for crying out loud. Let me, let's break it down here. Lacks empathy and remorse. That's what Kohlberger said. Inability to distinguish right and wrong. That's what he said. Behavior that conflicts with social norms. Manipulating, manipulating and or hurting others. Disregard for safety and responsibility. Does this ring a bell? Uh, some of the other symptoms are this not on that little diagram. is tendency to lie often. Manipulating and hurting others. Reoccurring problems with the law. General disregard towards safety and responsibility. Expressing anger and arrogance on a regular basis. Do I need to play the rap again? Okay, guys, I want to promise. And for those people that are defending him, which I understand, I mean, mainly his family members and probably that's about it. But if you look at this guy, you're like, wow, this is classic. Where there's smoke, there's fire. They lack deep emotional connections, have a superficial charm about them. They're very aggressive. They get very angry sometimes, maybe do an angry rap. An angry rap about being a pacifist. Additionally, people with ASPD may not react as if they have hurt someone and they may be impulsive or abusive and may lack remorse in case of ASPD. Abuse doesn't necessarily mean violent. One of his students was talking about the abusive ways that he graded papers, and it seemed like a power trip. ASPD is a chronic long-term condition that seems to improve with age, knowledge, experience, and remittance. No longer showing signs of antisocial behavior is possible. Mortality rates are higher in people with ASPD because of their behavior patterns. They probably get their butts whooped. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, let's be, let's be serious about this. If you guys want to call, the phone line's now open. I have something else for you to look at. And this, for me, is really interesting. And this has nothing to do. This is from uh, July 19th, 2021. It had nothing to do with cold nothing burger. It has to do with the speech pattern of a psychopath. Let me, I'm not going to play the rap again, I promise. But how about the speech pattern, right? What can the speech pattern tell us? Let me see if I might have something for you. Let me pull it up here. All right, talking about speech patterns. All right, let's go. Can you learn how to spot a psychopath before you become a victim? That's the question. Psychopaths or people who exhibit psychopathic tendencies typically want to manipulate others. They're very adept at identifying vulnerabilities and superficially provide others with the things that that they may be lacking, like acceptance, flattery, and love. I got a question for you guys before I read a little bit more into this. 
The question is this. Um, I've been here on YouTube for a while now doing different shows of different things. I, I would always get women call me talking about really bad relationships they had with psychopathic men. And the other day I asked you guys to call me and tell me about those relationships. Uh, I want to hear about it. I want to hear about what being in a relationship with a true psychopath is like now that it relates to the story we're talking about. So if you guys have those stories, don't call me now. I got five minutes left, but I like to hear it. You can call the voicemail line and just tell me about the way these people would manipulate. And I think this is important. And this is one of the things we're going to put a pin in and look back at. There are also some speech cues and body language cues exhibited by psychopaths usually consist of exaggerated hand gestures and contorted facial expressions. They use these to try and convince the listener that what they're saying is true when it's not. If you're perceptive enough, you may be able to watch for the body language clues and speech patterns that identify a potential psychopath. Of course, there are other people who have unique speech patterns. But uh, I gotta, I want you to look at this right here. This was from a recent interview someone did of Brian Kohlberger. I want you to look at his speech patterns and facial expressions right here. And tell me if you see any, any psychopathy. Man, you guys have some creepy apps out there. Again, that came from Discord. Huh. I had to share that with you because it creeped me out. What's up with the dark circles? I don't know. Of course, there are other people who have unique speech patterns, a flat effect, and unexpected facial expressions who are not psychopaths. So we need more than just that, um, those clues, but there's, they're a great place to start with. It could be one of the first symptoms, right? Psychopaths rarely show emotions, at least not genuine ones. Hence, the interest displayed for others is superficial. It means to an end designed to gain the trust of another person. The psychopath may appear cold and unemotional much of the time. Why am I going over this? Why am I relating to the cold berger? Because I'm telling you, psychopaths usually work alone. They're loners. They're lone wolves. It's very rare that they would do something so personal as what the murderer did on King Road and share that with somebody. I'm telling you, that just does not ring true with science, uh, historical data. It just does not. But we're still going to look at it. For example, a psychopath may show sadness when learning about the trials and tribulations of others because they recognize that this is a response that's expected. Uh, an example of that is when Cole Berger was pulled over with his dad and he was talking to the police, right? Oh, Lordy mercy. Here's a picture of that. That's what it looked like. God, creepy, creepy, creepy look, creepy look. no emotions in the face uh he looks like 
He's hyper aware. <laughs> that caught look. Really, we're talking about facial expressions. Just saying. Like a parasite, a psychopath maintains sustained contact with their prey to the detriment of the host organism. They take full advantage of the kindness of others by depending on them to fulfill their needs. All right. In 2011, the Tap Talk post, it's been verified to be legitimate. Um, this is what he said about himself. What are the odds are that you have a psychopathic person somebody pinned this on, you know? Again, we're not clinical psychologists. We're wild-ass speculators, you know. But nevertheless, the facts remain. The speculations, we'll put a pin in and we'll look at them later. I'd like to thank you for tuning in this morning. For those of you that are members, we have a premiere of something you'll be interested in, 5 p.m. tonight. It's a premiere. I will try to be in the chat room if I'm available at all. We can talk as we go if you have any questions about what my problem is or was. What makes my brain work? Thank you for tuning in. If you're interested in being a member, it's $2.99. If you want to be a supporter, $4.99. If you want to be a midnighter, uh, $9.99 a month. If you want to enter our Midnight Riders writing program, we have a workshop coming up, guys. Our first workshop for the Midnight Riders. Your assignment is due on January 28th. Uh, Turn it in to me that morning on email. And 5 p.m., we're going to have the writing workshop where we're going to go over it. That's on the 28th for the Midnight Riders. There's information on in the community post. Keep you updated there. Uh, if you're a member of the Midnighters or the Midnight Riders, you have access to our Discord. And there's people, there's a party going on there all day long. There's donuts and orange juice all day long. People are talking about this cases and many others. And often, I'll post everything I have in there before I ever do a show. And you guys send me stuff. So that's what Discord is. We also have special videos and special live streams for members, uh, Tier 2 to Tier 3. I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. Until next time, all my best.